0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for
3: details.
2: I've just been in the kitchen, Eva, and honestly, it's just so different and so quiet without having Arlie there.
3: I know. It's just been so sad, hasn't it? I mean, it's been in our lives for over 18 years, which, you know, for a cat is a good old age. It's been a long time, but he was just... Such a loud and chat box, wasn't he? Just such a loud character. But I suppose we knew that he wouldn't be with us forever. And um, and they do say, don't they, that heartbreak is the price that we pay for the love of our pets.
2: I mean grief is the price that we pay for love, isn't it? But it's a price worth paying. And I suppose what we've got to do is make that shift and celebrate his life, but it still feels tough to do that.
3: But On a brighter note, we've obviously got our Hunter's GCSE results.
2: Uh, And and how incredible (laughs) did the boy do? I know. We're the Speakman's married couple, life change therapists, TV therapists, and authors of our latest book, Everyday Confidence. By the way, Eva, I recently found out a really good fact that totally blew my mind. One of my favourite films from the 80s, Lethal Weapon. You remember it, don't you? I do. Danny Glover. His most famous line, if you say, Danny Glover, Lethal Weapon, people will say to you, I'm too old for this. I
3: poop, don't. (laughs) We've got young people that are listening.
2: (laughs) Anyway, when he said that in the film, when he was too old for it, he was only 42.
3: Wow. Can
2: you believe it? Because I, I always thought he was in his 60s, but he was only 42, which is younger than I am now. Well,
3: yeah, I'm sure you were born old, Nick. But anyway, we absolutely love what we do, and that's helping people conquer their anxieties. And they might manifest as things like panic attacks or OCD or phobias. This is the place where you'll hear what others have been able to overcome, direct from them in their own words, coupled with our approach and some clever theory tips so that you can feel able to make a change in your life.
2: So, put your phone on silent and get ready because this is making the change.
3: I know. I mean, I I actually put on social media that he got 10 A stars, and somebody came back and said, No, it's te- it's 10 A double stars. And I because thought, okay, of the new system, yeah, because the it's new 10 nines. I know, yeah, you yeah. 10 nines, which is amazing. And I'm just so incredibly proud of him because he just. Worked so, so, so hard. So I think, I honestly think that we should have a double celebration to celebrate Arnie's life. And I'm still in total shock because we knew that he wasn't going to be with us forever, but I just didn't... You kind of don't expect that today's going to be that last day, do you? But... um,
2: I I suppose we go through life thinking that everything is going to be there forever. And and that saying is you don't really miss things until they've gone is so... True, painful, yeah. but it's true. It
3: is, but we just need to celebrate his life because he's—he has been. I mean, like Olivia said, she's like lives never really known life without him because she's always said he was a best friend because she's—he's been here since she was about five, and and Hunter has never known no, life. No, was older than Hunter. life without yeah. Arnie, um, but. Again, I think that he's given us so much joy and, and Liv and I have been reminiscing and that's, I think, what you have to do
2: when you lose a loved one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm missing him like you will not believe and, you know, I feel like a lot of moments in the day where I'm just going to have a little cry. I know. But true. luckily...
3: But luckily... We
2: had him for almost 19 years. Yes,
3: I mean, 10 days off his his 19th birthday. But luckily, he brought us a lot of joy, a lot of laughter, a lot of, oh, Arnie, please be quiet, because he just never, ever, ever, ever stopped chattering. Uh, In fact, him and Liv are so alike, she never stopped talking either, and he was the same. And obviously, um, Hunter's exam results have just been another reason to celebrate so it's been it has been an eventful week for sure and and talking actually but luckily because obviously that's our our big thing isn't it that whenever something bad happens whenever you feel negative whenever you have a negative thought oh hello buddy's come to say hello hello little one but I think he's yeah. playing with something under there, um, but yeah, when we we've always sort of said, look, you know, if anything bad happens or you feel bad, then just finish the sentence with "but luckily." So that's a TikTok that we obviously we're new to TikTok, aren't we? So we've just done that. We're um, just
2: starting on TikTok, and I'm really enjoying it. Do you
3: know what I am? Yeah. Well, really I like, enjoying it. Yeah, that. I am actually because I think that people tend to be quite a lot more positive on TikTok, and it is quite fun because it's just short little clips. I, I don't know because it's me that tends to read all the messages, and it really blew my mind, Nick. That. We're there talking about you know, we're not talking about world peace, we're just talking about a little bit of happiness like? in your life, in okay. your thoughts, you know, just you know, just like yeah. it's raining, but luckily I've got an umbrella, that kind of thing. And it amazed me that somebody actually wrote on one of the comments was easier said than done. I wasn't
2: oh, like, honestly that, <laughs> I was Talk like, about grinding my gears, that it, annoys me so much because you know, you can apply that to anything. Everything is easier said than done. And it don't even take getting a out of bed in the morning is easier said than done. Yeah. But, right, what do you want a life or do you just want to be easier said than done and just live in misery? But, right, honestly, but that winds Nick, me up so much easier.
3: And, and, and do you know what? We are, I would say that we are incredibly placid and very You know,
2: over-minded. even sending that message was easier said than done, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. They had the thought, right? But they actually, actually did the message. They typed the message. And one other thing that grinds my gears deep rooted. <laughs>
3: Yes, mine too. Actually, that does. Yeah, because a root's a root. Okay, so if you've got something that's that's growing and you've got a weed, as long as you just pull it out, it's going to stop growing. But, it, but it's
2: that old thing in psychology that if you've had something a long time, then it's deep rooted. But whoever came up with that in the first place lost sight of how long did it take to get it, mm. and that's the thing. You know, if it takes you ten seconds to get a fear, a phobia, PTSD, to have an OCD thought, then surely what we should be aiming for is, I mean, 10 seconds to take it away. But
3: I do understand. So in fairness to those that say deep-rooted, and it's not actually the person. pacify me. But it's not the person that grinds, argues. It's the person or or wherever it came from to give people that thought process. Because if you believe that your issue is deep-rooted, then... It actually could make you feel worse. It could make you feel sadder. It could make you feel it's more complicated. Inevitably,
2: it'll make you feel worse because so, you think you can't get over and it. And it's that
3: that grinds me gears because it really, I feel it's an it's an unfair statement. For it's a any, hope stealer. It's a hope. It is a hope stealer. That you know, it's something that you might be stuck with something for life because it's deep rooted. And and that's what really gets my goat is that. No, if you've got an issue, if you've got a condition that you weren't born with and it's something that's an emotional issue and it's something that's an anxiety-based issue, for example, or low self-esteem, it's not that it's deep-rooted. Yes, it might stem back from many years ago. However, there's always an origin where it came from. And if we accept that, you know, a root's a root, there's no... But it's just a silly statement.
2: The fact of the matter is you've had it a long time.
3: I think that's, that's what it. people are saying. That's exactly it. They believe that they've got a deep-rooted issue because they've had it a long time. A lot of people believe they've got a deep-rooted issue because they're not really quite sure how their issue started, which I suppose is our area But if you put it
2: into, into perspective, you can just say to someone, right, you've had this a long time, but you've had friends a long time, and then... They've said something to you, and they've upset you, and then you've cut them off, and you had nothing to do with them, right? Oh, it doesn't matter what.
3: that's a good one. Nick. Yeah, but
2: but it doesn't matter how long you've had something; it that can finish. True. You know, I mean, bring it in a sad way. We had Armit almost nineteen years. That was a long time. He's gone. That's what what happens in life.
3: But you're absolutely right that you can have a friend that you've had for forty, fifty years, but if they do something against you, you can cut them off. Quite quickly because, and, and and
2: it just shows you can get over anything. So,
3: is that a deep-rooted friendship? You no. know? yes, you might be sad, but you can, you know, but you've got this new evidence, and I guess that's where it goes. I feel like we're a bit on our soapbox. Yeah, but Have you I feel
2: like I'm on it. But the deepest <laughs> roots, the deepest roots on the planet, right, can be pulled out. End off.
3: Yes, absolutely. A, you just need a bit. You just need someone who's good with a shovel to yes. be able to dig it out for you. But having said oh. that, like I said, the, the main reason people believe it's deep rooted, and, and I really don't want people to think that anything's deep rooted that they weren't born with, because I worry that that would make them feel less able or make it feel less possible to feel better. And well, to that's get what grinds better.
2: my gears. Hope stealers. Hope right? stealers. Okay. Honestly, they, they do because yeah. there is hope for everyone. And if you weren't born <laughs> with some anxiety disorder or some issue whatever whatever that may be i'm not talking medical issues here but if you're not born with any psychological issue you do not have to live with it so i'm sorry hope stealers keep your opinions to yourself
3: but i guess another reason people think think things are deep rooted is if there's a lot of behaviors that are associated to an issue so for example if you have a phobia such as emetophobia which is a fear of vomit then that phobia is what's known as a complex phobia not because it's deep rooted, but because there's a lot of behaviors that may become associated with that, so because you've got a phobia of vomit, then that then might make you stop eating certain foods in case you become sick, it might make you not drink alcohol or want to go to pubs. it might keep you away from doctor' surgeries and and school children, it might make you not might want to have children you' having children yes. exactly, and it might have OCD behavior come as well that attaches to it because you don't want to get a bug, so you're overwashing your hands and that sort of thing so is that deep rooted no, but it is a complex issue because there's a lot of behaviours that are associated with it. Now, talking about all those things from deep-rooted, from having something a long time, from having lots of therapy, from having a complex phobia, having lots of associated behaviours as a consequence of, of that phobia, we've got someone here with us now who actually had their issue for 57 years. And we met Nina earlier this year at one of our workshops. Uh, Nina was suffering with emetophobia and Nina actually had her phobia as a consequence of an incident when she was three years of age and went into hospital to have a minor operation and she got herself so upset that she was sick and her recollection was that her mum had abandoned her at the hospital when she was three but the truth was that her mum was asked to leave because Nina needed to go in for surgery. So when Nina was three and she was in hospital and her mum dropped her off and then left, Nina was so upset by her mum leaving that she was sick. And instead of realising that her upset was a consequence of being in a strange place with strange people and her mum leaving her, she actually attached all those feelings, all those anxieties to vomit It's so lovely of you to join us, Nina. Thank you so, so much. And you're looking fantastic, by the way. I've
2: got to say, you look absolutely incredible and a totally different person to the one that we saw earlier this year.
4: I feel totally different, but I think it's down to, you know, the conversations we had on that day back in March. It really has changed the way I think, the way I eat, the way I... everything, absolutely everything you know, differently to how
2: I've done it in the last 57 years. So for 57 years, you struggle with emetophobia, and emetophobia is a complex phobia, and it's one of the most difficult phobias to to overcome, and it's something that I would say that without question, it's the phobia that we get asked the most about and most people seem to be struggling with, and most people will say... I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's like it's something, you know, people just think it's just them. And yet it, for us, it's the most common phobia.
4: Absolutely right. And and the more I've talked about it, the more I've heard of other people that feel the same and have felt the same. You taught me just to think about it all in a different way. I now see vomit as making me better or making the other person better. You know, that that's just in my mind all the time. And when I was poorly a couple of weeks ago in the bathroom by myself. Normally I would have called my husband in, but I didn't. And my head just kept saying, you'll feel better afterwards. You'll feel better afterwards. And I got through it first time ever all by myself. Amazing.
2: Amazing. Well done.
4: And Um, if I could just say that, I know that
3: obviously we didn't know anything about you when you came to the workshop. So we met you there for the first time, which I think was about five or six months ago now. And we've been talking just before you joined us about sort of issues that might be considered deep rooted. And sort of knowing what I do know about you that you would be somebody that most people that that would probably believe that their issue was deep rooted so when you came to see us you'd had your issues for 57 years your phobia for 57 years it was definitely a complex phobia because emetophobia is and it it kind of spills into so many areas of our lives so when you actually came to see us on that day in that workshop did you have any expectation
4: that after 57 years you'd walk out without your phobia Definitely not. I mean I didn't know obviously how the workshops would go. I didn't ever think that I would get to say what I needed to say. You know my life has been quite complex based on my feeling with emetophobia so a lot of other things have happened and I thought maybe you might talk about stress or depression or you know something else that I'd be interested in. However the emetophobia it was almost as if I was there for the right reason. I was sat where I sat for the right reason. And it was my my turn you know that 's how I felt. It was my day, and it it's just changed the way i I think about illness, and I do have issues, stomach issues i've had since I was very young, um, lots of hospital appointments and and doctors saying you 'll grow out of it, but the more I was in pain and the more they couldn 't find anything wrong, the more my fear grew of. What if I'm ill? What if I go somewhere and I'm ill? And, you know, and being sick in public and making a fool of myself. And, and if somebody was sick at school when I was at primary school, I would have to leave the room. And, and I could play it over in my head for so many years afterwards at being, well, I say worse than childbirth, you know, the worst thing ever for me was that. And now it doesn't control me anymore.
1: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much.
2: Oh. Can I ask you, obviously you suffered with 57 years, what had you tried to do in that period to overcome it? And, and, and you know, and what? obviously it, whatever you did, it didn't work, but what had you tried and what had you been told? Because as Eva said before, deep-rooted is something that we hear a lot.
4: Being a, a 60s child, the doctors were very unsympathetic towards anything that I suppose they didn't understand. And... If it was today, if I was a youngster today going through the same sort of thing, I think they'd nail it quite quickly. But I was always told, there's nothing wrong, grow out of it. You know, um, my auntie once said to me, why are you crying all the time? Because of my emetophobia, starting with fear of losing my mum when I'd gone to hospital, I used to follow her everywhere. I felt sick when she wasn't there. I felt sick, so then I panicked. You know, I was a crybaby. I always had to have one of my sisters with me always because they were my safety you know so it's it's affected so many other things but the doctors would always say there's nothing wrong grow out of it almost like the snap out of it which we know is a horrible thing to say to anybody. Had you ever had any therapy or sought any help for it through your life? No I hadn't because I, I've had therapy but not for I, I had it more for a rift in the family more than a metaphobia. but I always felt that it would it couldn't have been real it could have it it must have just been me and and i was just that odd person you know it i've learned more as i've grown older that many people suffer from the same thing um i didn't know what what it was called for so many so many years so to have freedom from it now is just unbelievable you know it it really does make the biggest difference in Everything. I mean, I spent a lot of my teenage life literally eating dry bread or dry cream crackers because I was so scared that I would eat something else and then I'd be sick. So why would I put myself at that risk? Um, And at one point when my first daughter was born 30, nearly 38 years ago, I got into a cycle of where I didn't eat anything. And I used to have to go and get some liquid supplements from from the shop because I just couldn't risk, you know, I'm going to be sick. So it it played mentally, it really did affect everything. I didn't travel, wouldn't go on a coach, you know, uh, don't like public transport, all of that sort of thing, what if? So I've read books about the fight or flight syndrome, that sort of thing, and in my head I'd say, well I'm going to flee, I'm going to run, so let's not put myself in that situation and I don't have to worry about it, I'm safe in my bed, that's what I, I used to think, so... I think we've all got a safe place, haven't we, when we when we worry about something like that. And and that's where it's been for me.
2: I think you're absolutely right. And I I think that really can restrict so many people's lives because it's always your home can be a safe place. And it's so easy to stay at home sometimes if you've got an issue like that. And a lot of people with emetophobia do struggle to leave the home. What I'd like to ask you is obviously you came to our workshop and you, you you didn't know exactly what to expect. So what was it that you took on board that allowed you to overcome this? And the reason I'm asking that question, Nina, is that emetophobia is a difficult phobia to overcome. And, and we've actually seen people in our private clinic and we've had to see them three times before they've got over it. And, and yet In that moment, I'm sure, I know we were talking to you and you were one of our demonstrations as such and it was less than 10 minutes and, and I saw the shift and you just got it.
4: I think the way you both spoke, it was almost like when your parent tells you something that must be a fact because your parents are telling you. Like I would tell, you know, give advice to my children because I believe that it's the truth. Especially Nick, because you were, in my head, oh my God, he's a bit stern. He's challenging me why you kept saying but why but why and I could suddenly see that connection with that vomit and my mum walking out of the hospital you know I was I was really tiny and it was the tiniest operation on my tongue that I was having but because I was so bewildered and so scared but you then said to me but she didn't leave you she came back and I think that it made me think Oh, yeah, she came back. And every time I was ill, as I was, you know, growing up at, at home, she would stand in the bathroom with me. She wouldn't speak to me. She would hold my hand. And and I just tried to turn it around to think about those times rather than, oh, my God, I'm going to be sick. Oh, my God, I'm going to be sick. You know, because even coming to the workshop was nerve wracking. But I knew, and I had my friend Kath with me, I knew that I didn't know why I needed to come, but I knew I did. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. So it was the way you said it to me. I'm quite good at um, the power of suggestion. You know, give me that idea. I will mull it over and then I will put it into practice. And and because it's such a big issue for me, it was such a big issue, what you said had to stick. So it was the way you gave it to me. Either, if I might say this, you're the soft one, you, you do the lovelies. Nick was more, but why? But why? And that made me think, what am I making this fuss for? Because I... You have to get bad stuff out of your system, don't you? You have to, better out than in. That's what I keep thinking now. So our, our, as you now know, because you've experienced it, our
3: approach is we find the origin of where it started. So question, I know that we know now where it started because you were in hospital as a little girl and you were very upset. Had you realised, when, when you first
4: came to see us, did you know the origin? I knew the origin all my life. But I didn't know how to separate that from the fact. Not at all. I'm quite a nostalgic person. So whereby my sisters will say, oh, that was yesterday. You know, that was last year. That was 20 years ago. I'm not. I hold on to a lot of my childhood. And I think, again, that's my safety. Uh, You know, we were brought up with my mother and my grandparents. We all lived together. And there was always somebody there. And the other thing was that if somebody was sick at school, I would run home. I would literally, because we lived just down an alleyway to home, and I would run home. And my family, we all laugh about it, but it's, it was huge to me right up until March. You know, it, through pregnancy, I was so, so grateful never to have sickness, never, apart from in labour. And then I thought I was going to die. You know, and again, I had to have somebody as my safety to stand with me and hold that bowl for me, because... It, to me being sick was worse than having a four steps birth with my daughter it it was worse but it yeah it's the fact that you challenged me on it you didn't just accept what i was telling you you challenged me and then so what's the outcome actually i felt better and my mum was still there and you know so it, it's great Breaking things down, I guess. Now, so
3: you came. You knew that your phobia started when you were three years of age. From memory,
2: when yeah, yeah. you yeah. went into
3: hospital, and your mum, your mum was forced to leave It wasn't a choice, but that was the way that that things had to work in hospital. You, so you came. You we knew the origin, and then the next bit of our therapy and our pr- approach is positive evidence. To realistically kind of fight the corner of the vomit, being that vomit didn't do anything wrong. Vomit actually saves life. It's our body's first line of defense and it helps get toxins out of our body. So, obviously, that is our approach. And that's kind of what we did with you. And it was very obvious that within a very short space of time, like you say, you could see that you were really taking this on board and there was this kind of like a look on your face like, oh my God, yes,
4: I'd never thought of it like that before. Yeah, that's exactly it. It was that typical light bulb moment. Absolutely. And it is, it's just changing the mindset. You know, I won't deny feeling sick or being sick is never going to be a nice thing, but it doesn't have to be something that changes everything about me, which it has. And I I just wish I'd met you guys Many, many, many years ago. (laughs) There's a reason for everything. And what I,
3: for me personally is, and I think that Nick will probably agree with me, is that what's been lovely about you coming to us when you did and having gone through what you did is that there's actually a lot of positive repercussions that have come from that, Nina. And from our perspective, we know now that you are this wonderful, incredible person that comes on our live chats You help people, you speak to people, you inspire people. Because a lot of people will say to us, ah, yeah, but, you know, that person that you helped, they only had their hermetophobia for 20 years. You had yours for 57. So it's almost like you've satisfied all the people that would perhaps have a bit of a, ah, yeah, but you've kind of satisfied all those that you know. You have lived with it for 57 yeah. <clears throat> years. You, it could be considered deep-rooted because of the amount of time that you'd had, because of the behavioural implementations of avoidance that you'd added in. So you would be considered that kind of stereotypical deep-rooted, but you are absolute proof that it doesn't matter how long you've had anything, that you're not born with it, then just a simple change of perspective and seeing it in a better way can make you feel better.
2: And can I get a word in yes, here? Honestly, you're just um, going on and on today. I know, today, but it's my job, right? I'm yeah, a wife, that's what I do. Yeah. It was amazing that you overcame this in 10 minutes, or even less what it was. And yet some people hold on to it. And the reason behind that is the fact that having emetophobia is an unacceptable situation. And to keep that... Over the years, you've got to justify why you've got it and why you can't do all these things. And the more justification that you build up, the harder it can be to let go. Because even though we're giving contrary evidence and saying yes, but what did the vomit do? And you know, a lot of people go, well, yeah, I know vomit doesn't do anything. I know vomit's okay, don't do anything. But 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 you know, but you have got it straight away. But some people just don't get that. And as he was saying, it's lovely because. Now you get involved in our lives and you say to people, Well, I had 57 years, and that in some way doesn't leave any other people anywhere to go. Yeah, you can. You can't know, just... if you've only had it for 10 years, well, well yeah, what's the big deal? You silence yeah. the yeah you like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah
4: but, yeah but, I think you have to be ready for that change. I think you have to be really desperate to, to accept that there's another reason for your having emetophobia and wanting to get rid of what that reason was and challenge it and I know I'm I'm quite a deep thinker and I do analyse everything I say and everything I do not always write but I do I write everything down you know it's changed me in as much that I would say now I had emetophobia but luckily you taught me that I can challenge it and I can change the way I feel and the way I cope with it. You know, I've worked with kids all of my adult life and I've seen so much, I've moved away from so much vomit. But before the end of term, I saw somebody being sick and I didn't go anywhere and that's that's huge. I didn't even deal with my own children's. I My husband used to deal do all that. So it's just huge. And what else can you do with that information bar help somebody else? You have to do it as far as I I can see. You know, Nina. Thank
3: you. Honestly, you're just brilliant. We so appreciate you giving us the time today, and for all that you do, and and for helping others, and 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 just being you. You're fab. We love you lots. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. What we helped Nina with, and how we approach Nina's situation, is exactly the same. It's the identical formula for anyone who's st- suffering, and that, like I say, any anxiety disorder, or even things around confidence. Should we just go through it? yeah no okay. I mean if you look, I mean it's just such a it's always the same formula, so the first thing is you know how did it start? What was it that occurred that created that fear, and more importantly, how did you perceive it because and Nina, the best way to
2: find that is a timeline
3: always yeah, you know that right in that timeline, and I know that we're probably we've gone about this a lot, but you know how are you supposed to find the origin you know just from trying to pluck it out of thin air. Whereas if you actually write a timeline, it's amazing that not only does it give you a kind of a pattern of your life, but just writing those things down will then stimulate other thoughts and other memories. And it could just be one of those that's like hidden underneath there that you've not thought about for quite a long time, which often it can be. Find the origin. And then you've got to change your perspective, just like we did, just like we did with Nina. You know, whatever it is that, that, that people are struggling with, understand how you perceived it and then change
2: it. That's right. And, and and you'll only until you start looking for an alternative way to perceive it, you'll always see it in the same way. And she saw it through the eyes of that three-year-old child who felt abandoned. Whereas a good way to look at it is imagine that you're a fly on the wall yes. in that room. And what did that fly see? Because that fly wouldn't have perceived that her mum was abandoned in there because the flyer would have seen what happened and also, seeing that mum came back.
3: Yeah, this is a very intelligent fly. It is, yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> you can credit flies with a lot, you know, you'd be surprised.
3: Uh, but you've got to consider what you're avoiding. We said this a lot, but, you know, why was that to blame? So you've got to consider what you're avoiding and how that actually was to blame and how you might have got it wrong. Because what we know is that, again, Nina, excellent example of Nina blaming the wrong thing. So she blamed vomit and her vomiting... For all those feelings of anxiety and fear and abandonment, and it's understandable because she was only three when that happened. But what you've, you know, anybody that you've got an issue, yeah. if you fear something, you've always got. I was, I like that thought. You've got to be like a barrister, but you've got to be the defence and not the prosecution. Because up until coming to the workshop, you know, Nina was having a really having a real girl. She was prosecuting environment, and we were saying, "Look, jump ship." Get into the defence and try and defend it, and that's exactly and what can you we did. Vomit? Well, we defended well, it by amazing. giving a loads of positive yeah. evidence about you know how it saves lives, how it's our body's first line of defence with toxins, etc. And then you've got to consider, just as we did, with would say to Nina, "It's like, well, how might you've got it wrong?" And that's what you've really got to think: is you know I don't want this issue anymore. So don't keep trying to feed it. Don't keep trying to justify it. Don't keep trying to prosecute whatever it is that you're fearful. The matter
2: is, vomit is a lifesaver. And if you want to prosecute vomit and send it to prison, then it's an injustice.
3: It, exactly. And if you're a fair person, that's not right. Either. But
2: also looking to the future, you've got to say, a lot of people say I can never get over this. I can't see ever getting over it. You've got to say, I can get over this. Yeah. I might not be yourself. getting over it right now, but I can get over it. And and see and just say, see yourself living life without it.
3: Definitely, because to...
2: everyone can live the life without metaphobia or, or
3: any or any or anxiety any or fear or yeah. trauma. You can or live your or life it. I mean, you can't you can't forget things. I know that when we talk about trauma, you can't forget things. But what you can do is change your perspective of that thing that is replaying to you. And like you say, you've got to really kind of, well, yeah, I can get over it. You've got to be positive. And then gradual...
2: I, I, I love the statement, one day we'll look back in this and laugh. And I know I've said that a lot, but Nina can now look back on those 50, 70 years and she can laugh at yeah. uh, uh, the silly thoughts that she had.
3: Yeah. But, 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 but gonna, why wait? Yeah, absolutely. And then I also think that one... I'm going to say gradual exposure here, but I don't mean... Gradual exposure and that's it. I think that gradual exposure should come in once you start challenging your belief. Yes, because you know, I think that if you do that first, yeah, you've got a If you do gradual exposure
2: first, before it, could actually then make it can actually make it
3: worse. Yeah. It can do because what it's actually doing is exercising the fear. Whereas if you challenge the thing that you that you fear or that the thing that you're worried about, and you start to be that defense and and sticking up for it, and with small gra- gradual exposure, then that actually kind of gives you evidence and strength to that that you know to actually change your belief system Uh, and then obviously avoid and then particularly with things like hametophobia I know that I've spoken to a lot of people that have found that their issue, their their emetophobia or their agoraphobia, whatever it might be, has actually got worse because they've joined certain groups. So you've got groups that are brilliant because they can really help Help, support and sort of guide you through. But then there's a lot of groups out there that are literally just comparing symptoms and that can actually make your issue far, far worse because, it. and, and we've heard it so many times where... Somebody might suggest something and go, well, I was sick in X, Y, Z, place," And then that gives you then thinking, oh, my God, well, I better avoid that. But when all else fails, if you're struggling, get yourself a timeline, go and see your doctor, get yourself some therapy, take that timeline with you to therapy and start to talk through the origins so that you can change your perspective. Because the truth is that everybody, without exception, can live life phobia free, anxiety free and be happy.
2: We might have only just recorded this podcast, but we love speaking so much. I don't know about you either, but I'm already looking forward to recording next week's episode. Make sure you don't miss any of our new podcasts. So please subscribe to Making the Change on your favourite podcast app. And that way, our next episode will drop very handily onto your phone as soon as it's available.
3: Are you really proud of the change that you've made in your life? You should be. I bet other people would find it really valuable hearing how you did it. And if you want to join us on our podcast, come and say hello on Facebook, twitter or instagram just search us the speakman's and use the hashtag making the change
2: wow that went so fast so all that's left to say is a big thank you to nina our amazing guest and our producer anushka tate for orion publishing limited and of course to you for listening we really really do appreciate you joining us every week so until next week
3: keep, keep making, making the, the change.
2: change
3: bye, bye. This podcast is not a substitute for medical or psychological intervention, nor is the content intended to replace therapy or medical help or advice.
2: We would therefore always strongly encourage you to speak with your doctor or a health professional about how you are feeling and also to inquire.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, Premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com
1: pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact...